Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. This is your host, the original great Rob Silver. And today we'll be looking at Tim Zhu and Regis Progress's wins. Both had very different performances from this past Saturday night. We will do another Q&A session, and we will look at another one of the greatest knockouts in boxing history as I continue my 25 greatest knockouts of all time. But before I begin the podcast, the latest Patreon episode of The Life and Times of Muhammad Ali is out. It was released yesterday evening. I'm recording this on the Monday morning. It was released this past Sunday. It's available, so now you have five parts of the 10-part series already completed. For $5 a month, you can hear my series on the life and times of Muhammad Ali. I have done five episodes to five. His February, I'm sorry, his May 1965 rematch versus Sonny Liston. His November 1965 defense against Floyd Patterson. His November 1966 virtuoso performance versus Cleveland Williams. His February 1967 one-sided beating of Ernie Terrell. And episode five is his return. But before that, I talk about his forced exile, his his illegal conviction by the United States government for violating selective service rules about entering the draft and going into the U.S. military and serving during the illegal war in, in Vietnam. Then we end with his comeback fight versus Jerry Quarry, and what I've done with all five fights that I mentioned versus Liston, versus Patterson, versus Williams, versus Terrell, and versus Quarry is I give you the link on the YouTube channel run by my friend from the UK, Martin, Vintage Boxing, and I give you the time. You type in the fight. I give you the timestamp. I ask you to mute your devices, mute your smart TV, and then I recreate my own version of the play-by-play as we look along. Um, each episode includes my historical overview of the time period and of Ali's life and career as told through several conversations by my late great father. And now on to Saturday night's fights. First, New Orleans, Louisiana. Regis Prograce defending his criminal cartel WBC title against Daniel Zorilla. And in the first round, Prograce gets knocked down and the referee doesn't call it a knockdown. Referee called it a slip. Zorilla caught Prograce with a nice right counter right cross as Prograce is coming in. Prograce, while he was going down, grabbed 
Zerilia by the waist, and they both fell down, and the referee erroneously called it a slip. Now, this is the WBC. In the WBC bylaws, you can challenge a knockdown or a, or a slip that you thought was a knockdown. So Williams' trainers fell asleep at the wheel. They didn't do this. Now, it didn't cost them the fight because two of the judges, I don't know what they were watching. I had it a very close fight. But around one and round two, I gave this already. Round three, Prograis landed a nice left cross over the top of the head of Cerulean knocked him down. And then a lot of back and forth, um, a lot of running around by Zerilia, but he was effectively countering Progress, who looked very sloppy and who looked very lethargic. After eight rounds, I had Zerilia up five rounds to three, and by one point on my scorecard, then I thought Progress in rounds nine, 10, and 11 landed more effective body punches, and Zerilia wasn't throwing as many punches as he did earlier. And Progress out hustles Zerilia in rounds 9, 10, 11, and 12 rounds. Zerilia stepped it up and thoroughly won that round. And my final scorecard was 114, 113 for Regis Progress. A very sloppy and lethargic performance by Regis. He's uh, He's got to do better because he he's talking about he wants fights versus uh, a rematch versus Josh Taylor and a, and a fight versus uh, Teo Lopez. I love Regis Progress. In my opinion, he's the most... He's the most ducked fighter in boxing. Maybe this performance will have these guys come out, and then you have the Ryan Garcias and the Tio Lopez's and the Zubriel Matias's step up. I don't want to see him fight Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner doesn't deserve a title shot. He's done nothing to deserve a title shot against Regis Progress. And only way Broner wins is if Regis gives a sim- similar type of performance and walks into a right hand by Broner. But I don't think Regis will have that similar performance against Adrian Broner because Adrian Broner is more of an aggressive fighter. He's not going to run around like Daniel Zorilla did. Now, on to the fight in Australia. I told everybody this was going to be a mismatch. Oh, Campos are fucking stiff, all right? He's never beaten anybody. Got destroyed in one round by Errol Spence. And once again, he gets destroyed in a round as, in 77 seconds, Tim Zhu decapitated Carlos Ocampo. At the very beginning, Tim Zhu just came out. He knew this guy wasn't in his level, wasn't in his league, and went straight at him, landed a beautiful right cross that dropped him. Then another right cross that dropped him. I'm sorry, the second time was, yes, he staggered him with a right cross, and then he landed a left hook that almost knocked him out the ring. First round knockout for Tim Zhu as he stays busy while the injured Charlo tries to recuperate in order for them to fight in the fall. Let's get this fight done. Charlo, baby, I don't know the extent of your injuries, but you got either a fight, or give up the titles. Let's do this. We need to see Charlo Zhu. That's the only fight at, in the 154-pound division right now that I want to see. Let's get this done, baby. Let's get this done. Uh, so now, let me go on to the Ask Rob Silver session of the podcast, the question and answer session. Real quick, let me go. Uh, oh, by the way, Tim Zhu is the 
pound for pound fighter of the week easily because Regis spit the bit. He 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 shit it all over himself in that fight. So Tim Zhu easily the pound for pound fighter of the week, and hopefully he will get to face the pound for pound undisputed junior middleweight super welterweight champion of the world in the one and only Charlo. Okay, let's go to uh, to the to the Ask Rob Silver portion of the podcast. For those who want their questions answered, it could be a question about anything. It could be a question about life, boxing, baseball, football, music. Hashtag Ask Rob Silver on Twitter. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, here we go. First question I want to uh, answer. A couple of weeks ago, my buddy Kobe, loyal listener to all my shows, um, asked, where do I rank Andre Ward among all-time United States gold medalists? And, you know, that's a great question. So let me take a few minutes on this. Of all the United States gold medalists, performance-wise, in the amateurs, from when I started watching, now, and my father always talked about how Howard Davis was the greatest Olympian he ever saw in the Olympics in 1976. He said Howard Davis looked like a combination of Shigure Robinson and Muhammad Ali at the 76 Olympics. So he's definitely amongst that. Uh, Shigure Leonard was impressive as hell in the 76 Olympics. Uh, Joe Frazier in 64, Muhammad Ali in 1960 were impressive as heck. Okay? Um... In 1984, Pernell Whitaker was phenomenal. Meldrick Taylor was phenomenal. Paul Gonzalez was phenomenal. 1988, Roy Jones was phenomenal, even though he was robbed, brutally robbed. 92, Oscar De La Hoya was sensational. 96, David Reed was sensational. He was, he was getting his ass kicked in the gold medal round and came out of nowhere with a spectacular right hand to knock out and win the gold medal. And then 2004, Andre Ward fought beautifully. So where would I rank Andre Ward? Well, you know, you got to put Ali, Frazier Foreman, uh, Howard Davis, Sugar Ray Robinson, Meldrick Taylor, and Pernell Whitaker, Paul Gonzalez, too, above Andre. So Andre, you can make an argument ninth or tenth lower tier of the top 10 all-time greatest performances by a United States gold medalist. Now, I have to take, I have to take, I have to take uh, Roy out of the equation because he was robbed. 
he didn't win the gold medal. So damn. All right, Andre top ten, and and uh, and of course, uh, why is why is my cell phone going off? Okay, all right. I, I I put it on. I put my cell phone on silent, and you still hear the 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 the, the text, the beeps. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. So that answers the question by my great brother, Detroit born and ten, and I believe he lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee, right now. The great Kobe, former military man too. All right. Okay. Now this is from Divided We Fall on Twitter. And he um he gives me a post. If you put Pretty Boy Floyd of 130 to 135 in the 1980s, give me a win-loss. Well, that's not the question he asked. He wants to know where he would rank Floyd Mayweather. If you put Floyd Mayweather of 130 to 135 in the 1980s, and the list of fighters was Salvador Sanchez, Julio Cesar Chavez, Azuma Nelson, Ray Mancini, Aaron Pryor, Alexis Arguello, and Rocky Lockridge. First of all, First of all, you 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 can't count several of these fighters because they never fought at 130. You got to take Salvador Sanchez out the equation. He never fought at 130. I know he died in 82, and he was still at 126, but he never fought. You can't put him in the equation. He died. Not get on you, uh, divided we fall. This is the this 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 goofball on on Twitter, Adams Boxing Show, that puts these stupid scenarios down. But I got you covered, divided. Julio Cesar Chavez, Azuma Nelson, Ray Mancini, got to take Aaron Pryor out the equation. He fought at 140 throughout the 80s. Alexis Arguello and Rocky Lockridge. All right, so you got Chavez, Nelson, Mancini, Arguello, and Lockridge. Of all those fighters, of all those fighters that I just mentioned, Arguello, Rocky Lockridge, Ray Mancini, Azuma Nelson, Julio Cesar Chavez, Floyd Mayweather was greater than all five of those fighters, and he had a greater career than all five of those fighters. So I would put him, if he fought in the 1980s with the same way he fought now, and I don't like doing uh, hearsays, I don't like doing uh, what you call it, uh, fantasy matchups, but he definitely would have been the greatest 130 to 135 pound fighter. And this list is horrible because you don't have Pernell Whitaker on this list. So the, the, the right there, that that that, th- that throws me off. And you know what? I answered the question divided, but I, I don't fuck with this clown Adam's boxing show. Get him the fuck out of here. All right. My buddy from Philly, Rob, Rob Sugar Hill, asked, Boxing is back. Fights have finally been made. Even though I know the answer, how do you feel about this? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Hopefully we get Charlo Zoo signed soon. And so you've got, in the week of July 25th, four of the top ten fighters in the world fighting. The greatest fighter in the world right now, the best fighter in the world, Nyoa Monster Noe, fights a lower part of the top 10 in Stephen Coolboy Fulton in both their toughest fights of their careers. And then, of course, you have who I consider the second best fighter in the world, Errol Spence, versus the third best fighter in the world, Terrence Bud Crawford, July 29th. Hopefully we get Zoo versus Charlo. We might be getting Charlo's twin versus uh, Canelo in September. So it was looking great. Looking great. And... 
Shakur Stevenson has a lot of options. Javante Davis has a lot of options. Shavant, uh, Shakur and Javante are at the point where you they can't fight regular dudes anymore. They got to fight either each other, Devin Haney. Devin Haney has a bunch of options. Does he go up and fight Tio Lopez? Does he fight Shakur? Does he give that crying uh, clown Lomachenko a rematch? Does he find a way to fight Javante? You got a lot of options. Boxing right now is booming. Let's keep that momentum going. All right, let's get to some more of these questions. I got to run and do laundry before I do the final segment. All right, here we go. Okay, uh, Jody from New Orleans. I forgot to answer this question from last week. Rob, who do you think is the better prospect, Keyshawn Davis or Bruce Carrington? Both have shined early in their career. Carrington has more power, but I think Keyshawn Davis has the better career projectile because he's a boxer. He's a stylist. And I'm always going to choose the stylist over the aggressive fighter with the power because the shell life is longer for a stylist. Fighters with aggressive styles have a short-term life. They do. Uh, you, you see it, the Figueroa brothers. You see it with uh, you, you see it with uh, Victor Ortiz. There's a million examples in the history of boxing. It's rare that a bro- Ray Mancini was done at 23, 24. The aggressive boxers, they have a short, short, short shelf life. All right. I believe that does it for this week's Q&A. We'll be back with the greatest knockouts of all time next chapter. And now my 22nd greatest knockout of all time. And it really broke my heart that night. And I'll talk all about it. June 6, 1988, the first fight between the then WBC middleweight champion Thomas Hearns and Iran the Blade Barkley. And as I wrote in all these articles, you can find on FightGameMedia.com. Thomas Hearns is without a doubt one of the five greatest offensive fighters in boxing history. Every punch that is designed in a textbook, the hitman excelled at throwing. His most lethal weapons were his pulsating left jab and a right cross that felt like granite when it landed. Going into his first WBC World Middleweight title defense against Barkley, my father and I knew Barkley would be a dangerous fight because of the great chin the Bronx challenger possessed. The only way to defeat Hearns was to slug it out with him and knock him out. What my father and I didn't add to the equation didn't add to the equation was the fact that Barkley had extra motivation to win that night. His best friend had just died tragically. Three days before Barkley was to engage in the biggest fight of his career, his longtime and closest friend, former WBA super welterweight champion Davey Moore, had died, had died tragically while attempting to stop an unoccupied car rolling down his driveway. Moore slipped on the wet ground and was pinned underneath the Dodge Rain, Raid, Raider while it rolled downhill, killing him instantly. In the history of sports, athletes have performed at monumental levels after losing loved ones. Barkley was no exception. Despite his heavy heart, Barkley went on with the fight. The first two rounds saw Hearns beat Barkley's face like a drum. My father and I attended Madison Square Garden that night to see this fight on closed circuit. 
My father was heavily intoxicated and extremely vociferous in his joy at the brutal beating Hearns was administering to Barkley. I was laughing my ass off as well. It was only a matter of time before this massacre would come to an end. I was right, but not in the way my father and I anticipated. With a minute left in round three, Hearns was pouring it on a bloody and battered Barkley when he made a monumental mistake. Hearns backed straight out with both hands down after throwing a punch and was caught flat-footed with a wicked double right cross that dropped Hearns. My father started screaming and my heart dropped. Miraculously, Hearns got up but was in no condition to continue. Yet referee Richard Steele allowed the fight to continue. Barkley quickly pounced on his wounded prey and proceeded to knock Hearns through the ropes. Steele immediately stopped the fight and Barkley scored one of the greatest come-from-behind knockouts in the history of boxing. Barkley and Hearns fought again four years later, this time for Hearns' WBA light heavyweight title. It was a barbaric contest as both men landed one bomb after another. Hearns, after being knocked down early in the fight, showed incredible intestinal fortitude in evenly battling Barkley over 12 intense rounds. Ultimately, it was the knockdown that swung the fight in Barkley's favor as he won via split decision. It would be the last significant fight of either men's career. Both men fought way past their primes. Hearns, because of his left jab and right hand, only lost once before one, one, one more time before finally retiring at the age of 48. Barkley would lose 12 of his last 14 fights before he retired at 39. At one point, Barkley ended up homeless on the streets of New York. However, with the assistance of fellow brethren like Hearns, who he was able to turn his life around and currently has stable employment and housing. Without a doubt, Davy Moore is looking down on him, beaming with pride on Iran, being a warrior both inside the ring and outside the squared circle. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we will be looking at the 21st greatest knockout on my list. Sergio Martinez versus Paul Williams, the rematch from November 20th, 2010. I will be uh, recapping the clown Edgar Belanga's fight against Jason Quigley that's on Saturday night this coming Saturday night also Julian Williams versus Carlos Adamas in a very 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 intriguing matchup that fight is also happening Saturday night so until next week when I talk boxing recap another Q&A session remember hashtag ask Rob Silver when I look at the rematch between Sergio Martinez and Paul Williams from November of 2010, I want everybody out there to continue to always be blessed and be a blessing. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.